Hey everyone, welcome back to Above Board with Canderpath. And today is an exciting day because tax season is behind us. And as this episode is actually airing, it is our five-year anniversary of starting Canterpath Financial. And because tax season is behind us, we have our co-host back, Matt. Hi. John, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. It's been a minute. And Ooh, it's been a minute. I just, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm just a guest here today on your show. So I thank you for carrying the show for the last uh, 90 days as I've been uh, cooped up in my cave. But I'm back. I'm back, buddy. Well, we're so close mm-hmm. to having all three of us back too when, when we can sync all of our calendars. But Matt locked himself in his room, threw the key away, and was in tax mode for three straight months. How, how was tax season? It was very good, John. Thank you for asking. It was, um, yeah, we learned a lot. Um, we are every, I, this is like the 20th year I've done taxes. And each time I'm like, that, that's it. <laughs> no more. And then October rolls around. I'm like, I could do this again. I, um, but in all actuality, yeah, all kidding aside, yeah, all kidding aside, the tax component is one of the most important ancillary items that we have to our practice. And I think uh, taxes and Medicare are two sort of outside offerings that aren't part of the, well, they are part of the core financial planning, but they are, they're in most situations in most financial planning practices, those are not part of them. You, you generally go to another uh, uh, professional for those. And all of those are, are internal. And, and really the, the reason why is because they, each one of them interact with, with each other. And uh, we find that just incredibly helpful from a planning standpoint. So again, I always say at the end, I'm never going to do this again. Um, this year we did have, I did have a cheat code Put in and that cheat code's name is uh, Mackenzie Herbert, uh, who is uh, my Shout right out hand. To Mac. Yeah, Matt Mac did a, a fantastic job. A lot of yelling at me. Um, she yelled quite a bit. Uh, most well, someone things, needs to. Yeah, most things I didn't want to do, and she's like, "You have to go do those." And so it, it's always helpful to have someone there to just kind of drag you over the finish line. Um, and uh, and so that was just one element. The other element of her was was really the help in the organizing and uh, in, in actually in a lot of cases, the pr- preparation of returns with my oversight to those. So um, it was a it was a fantastic um, season and I'm glad it's behind us. I'm glad to do something different, right? Uh, 90 days of the same thing over and over again gets very monotonous. So um, I like podcasting and I like uh, I like doing all the other things we get to do here at our company. And I just uh, love that you get amnesia and then by like Q4, you're itching to do taxes again. It's like when people have multiple kids and they go through pregnancies and they're like, oh, well, it's not like three years go by and then you romanticize it. And you're like, it wasn't that bad. And then you get pregnant again. And you're like, oh, this is so much work and leave it to me to compare tax season to a woman <laughs> to, bearing a child for nine months. I'm not going to go near that one because uh, we're going to lose that battle all day long. But Try. yeah, there's, there is amnesia. And then there's like, there's, you know, uh, continuing education, right? I, I For credentials, I have to do, I don't know, whatever the number is, how many hundreds of hours. But, you know, like, so there's very little break to then jump into, okay, so like what's happening next year now? And there's really two deadlines of tax season, right? Everyone thinks of this February, or I'm sorry, this April 15th, 18th, whatever date falls on each year. But then there's a second one for those those late stragglers who have an October deadline for extensions or September for businesses. So it's like a mini um, season in the season. Yeah, it's like so now we have six months to like now wrangle up those folks and say like, hey, remember, uh, we're still waiting for some items, and uh, that is like the last drop dead deadline. So, anyways, it's uh, it's been fun. It's been it's been exciting, and I'm ready to move on to something different. 
I will say not that we're going to do case studies today, but there have been a lot of instances, even recently in conversations with people where I'm like, we're, we're talking about something very investment <clears throat> portfolio heavy. And then maybe it transitions to a little bit of the work I do with clients, which is Medicare and, and health insurance work. And then I pull on the taxes and they're like, well, why do you need that? Like I'll ask like, hey, I need a pay stub or I need to look, to look at last year's taxes. And it's like, why do you need that? And then we explain the why about how all of that stuff is so integrated. And it reminds me a lot of times that like sometimes in our industry, it's just such a swing and a miss that like if you're a financial planner that only does the portfolio stuff and you can't look at everything, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, it is, you know, that's where we pride ourselves on our ability to kind of handle all those different areas. Pretty, pretty yeah, important. I, I, I'm going to make a bold statement and, oh, and it's, yes. it, uh, yeah, here we go. No, it, it, not, not that bold, uh, but it's going to be something like along lines of like, if, how can you do financial planning without having your fingers in the tax side of it? Because they truly go hand in hand and it for seniors, their largest, ex, arguably some of their largest expenses in, in retirement is, is their tax bill. Yeah. Um, and then for those that are uh, like we, what we've been working on, I think what you're referring to is right now, you know, a lot of um, executives might be saying, hey, I'm 62. I want to retire. I, I need to, you know, can, can it can it work? And then how do I get health insurance? And then they go to the Affordable Care Act. And that is all predicated upon what their taxable income is. And so everything sort of like comes back to it. And it's for us, one of the areas that we provide a tremendous value to our clients is taking care of that element. And I think there is also room for the traditional CPA relationship of, especially for small business owners or, or medium or large business owners who need bookkeeping and some of the additional items that go into a more complex element of taxes. But for our clients and for you know the work that we do, I don't know how we could do what we do without that, that side of it. Someone's got to do it. And I, I think I drew the short straw. I, I love the plan. Well, I do health insurance. I mean, that's not exactly exciting either, but it is, it's an important uh, element. And what I will say is like, so that ACA, so the Affordable Care Act, you know, where you get these tax subsidies and it's worked a lot for our clients that are between that 60 to 65 window, pre-Medicare, need insurance. And there's within the confines of the US tax code, an ability to, if you have the ability, which we work with clients on figuring this out, landing your modified adjusted gross income at a certain number, we can maximize a tax credit. But there's a lot of there's a lot of elements that have to go right that we have to be very mindful of. Here's what I'll say. Anybody if there is even one person that sends me an email that says, do a podcast case study on this, we will do it. So John at canterpath.com, if I get one email from someone that's like, how can I retire early and get this tax credit for healthcare that in some cases is anywhere from twelve to twenty four thousand dollars a year. Um, depending on if you're single or married, it's a pretty meaningful tax credit. So it's a really exciting case study. It might sound boring, but if one person sends me a message, we're going to do maybe even not Matt's looking at me weird. Maybe it won't be a podcast. Maybe we'll just do a YouTube video on it and send it to that person. So, I mean, I would love to do that. I could talk for like six hours on the topic, but it just amazes me how many people don't know. Well, what, what thing, what gets me is like stuff like that. Like how many people don't even realize that's out there and it's like, what? okay, so that's where, you know, what's the value of a financial planner? There's a lot of ways to try to quantify that. That's one of them. Like you, if someone didn't even know about this, now all of a sudden it's a benefit where we could get tens of thousands of dollars a year in tax credit. It's a pretty big deal, I think. But. It is, but that's not the purpose of today's show, John. No. Today's show is to talk about, we've been doing this, well, we've been doing this for like, I don't know, 50 years combined, but Canterpath Financial was started in April 26th of 2018 
And what a time to start a business. I mean, you know, just when you get ramped up, 2020 comes rolling right around and we deal with COVID. But I, I really wanted to especially be on today's show um, to talk about uh, and not always the good stuff. Like, 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 listen, fast forward, we made it right. We made it five years. So what we're going to talk about today is not necessarily <clears throat> how great we are and all the things that we did right. I think where I find a lot of value when I'm listening to these types of shows is where were their pitfalls? Where were their holes? What struggles did you go through to get to where you are and, and your success kind of speaks for itself. So today is not about patting ourselves on the back. It, it's almost, in fact, the other way around of you're listening to this. You were trying to start a business or you're a small, you're, you're a business owner and you're like, man, I remember when going through that is, is sort of what we were going for with today's show. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so with that, let's start with happy at the beginning. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it all started years. at a, at a Dunkin' Donuts in in Oviedo, Florida, sitting in a little booth there, big guy. I took a picture of it because I took Ella to Dunkin' Donuts over the weekend and I took a picture of the booth that we had our, our mastermind meeting at. Well, you know what's interesting is, so we, we've obviously been in the industry longer than 2018. Matt got in the industry right after the dot-com crash. Like you got in the industry, if you think about it, it's like really terrible timing to get in this industry or great, depending on how you if glass half full, which you are. Uh, and I got in the industry in 2008 as the sky <laughs> was falling. Think about that. Yeah, literally as the sky was falling. And then we started Canterpath in 2018, which on the surface, you're like, nothing happened in 2018. Uh, but in the last five years, we've been through numerous bear markets. We've honestly lived through two decades worth of headlines in five years from COVID to interest rates to a war in Ukraine to you name it. I don't know what the new thing yeah. will be, but a banking crisis. Which, speaking of bold statements, you mentioned bold statements earlier. We did last Ooh, episode was banking one. crisis of good with Michael. Yeah, that was a bold. That was a bold statement. But um, yeah, we're celebrating five years. Five years. We're also celebrating. We won't do the official celebration of the podcast until we can have Rich, Matt, and myself on it. But we're about to celebrate three years of the podcast. Almost fifty thousand downloads. So lots of fun milestones this time of year, and no more taxes for you. So lots of celebrations. Yeah. And exciting. My so. And so let's, birthday. oh yeah. And your birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. So, so let's go back to 2018. So 2018 sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts and saying, Hey, listen, we are both unhappy with the current circumstances. It's time for us to make a change. And, and you know, you, you jump off, you make that change. And then I say, I I'm, I'm ready to make the change as well. And, and started off with our first dilemma, right? Our first dilemma is how, how do we get clients? What, what do we possibly do? to start over basically from, from scratch. And, um, and I think there, that provided us with a couple unique things. The first is it allowed us to build systems from scratch. I, I think if you're listening to this and you're a business owner and you've had your business for five or 10 or 15 years or however long it's been, and you're like, wow, I'm stuck using this software. I've been using the same software. I've been using the same system for all these years. Is this really the best one? And gosh, to change that is a nightmare. We had a really unique ability to start off day one with, all right, well, how do, how do we want to shape this thing? Yeah. How, how did we, so, so talk about, cause there, there's so many, it's funny. Cause when we were discussing this, we were like, you know, there's, there's so many mini failures over the last five years that a failure is it's, it's not really a failure. If you take something good out of it, you learn from it, you get better from it, of course. But there were just lots of Lots of moments to look back on and go like, wow, if I had, if I could do that differently. So maybe uh, I'm curious, your from your vantage point. So year one, what is that? Like, I mean, 
we we were we had the good fortune of having so many deep deep relationships with clients and we sat down with our clients we told them here's what we're doing we you know we want we're excited about what we're doing we're proud of what we're going to build and what this means to us we'd love for you to come if you don't of course that's okay we won't hold it against you and the good fortune of of being very 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 intentional about that conversation i mean i had many face-to-face, you know, coffee meetings in, in people's living rooms. That was probably the first, that was a really success. That was a really important aspect of it. Cause we didn't start Canter path with no clients. We, we started with the clients that we had collectively worked. And, and nearly a, and nearly a hundred percent. I mean, I'd say all but one that, that wavered said, yes, we're, we're, we're coming with you. And I think that didn't come from an email in most cases that that was a, a very intentional conversation that took a lot of work. I mean, I, we had yeah. this conversation a hundred times, if not more of saying, here's what our plan is. And everyone said, sure, we're, we're doing this. So step one, so you, you got the clients. Now you have to have a place to meet out. Of, right. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think the, the next place that was natural is okay. So fantastic. We have clients uh, like, where are we going to sit and talk to them? And I think at this point in time, you know, it's 2018. So most most people were not really comfortable with Zoom yet or, or this virtual lifestyle that I, that really COVID. No, it was a requirement to meet in person at that point in time. Absolutely. I think yeah. except for our clients out of state, um, it was it a was requirement to have a place to meet and to meet in person. And so that's where our first – let's land there. That's where our first I, uh, hiccup I came so, in. Well, I was so proud to show Matt the office for everyone listening. And I – we. I, brought, Hey, this is, this is the office that we're securing. And what was interesting is it was like a month to month lease, which is, you know, it had its pros at the time when you're trying to be nimble and flexible, but it, 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 you know, obviously it wasn't ideal. I bring him in the office and he, Matt looks at it and is just like, is this. I feel for- like when you question, you know, in life, you're like, did I make the right move? <laughs> I never had that in my mind, so it was never that extreme. But it was certainly I opened the door and I was like, "This is this is going to be the world headquarters of Canterpath Financial." And when I tell you, uh, I'm sitting in my office, my home office right now, and I have a closet in it. It's it was pretty much like yeah. a glorified room closet, even including a um, a USB powered refrigerator. Which, if anyone knows anything about a USB powered refrigerator, it held four drinks. It never stayed cold. It was actually warm. I think it was like a heater. I don't think it actually. Uh, so, so that was it. And 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 to, and so okay, we, we needed to fix that. We st- stayed in the same building, but we we with we we stayed on this month to month lease, and we thought we were geniuses. We got this place month to month. You know what? If this doesn't work out, thirty days we're out of here. You know, guess what? We blow up. We what? we go we go bigger. We're we're gonna go bigger with this. Yeah. We're gonna expand. And we are on this 30 day and this is the best thing ever. Well, and it wasn't like a WeWorks situation. I mean, it was, it, it had the presentation of like, this was our office and they just happened to sublease it to other people too. And, and so, yes, we, for a year, so first of all, Matt walked in that office and it's the size of a janitor's closet. And he was like, we, we, we gotta, we gotta do better. And we did get, we got a little bit bigger of an office to meet with clients one year in, in fact, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary of starting Canter Path. We had a dinner planned with our wives that evening. It's like 4 p.m. on a Friday. And I get a phone call from the property manager. And she says, someone came in and 
leased out the whole space. You have 30 days to vacate <laughs> the yeah, property. What we didn't realize is that 30 days goes in both directions. Yeah. And hindsight being 2020, again, the things that we learned, we found out that in 30 days, we need to find a new office. It's tax season. We've just like... We've just gotten all of our clients super comfy with this with this new building and that this all these changes that are taking place. We wanted there to be some level of like calmness and everything's everything's under control and we got it and we get an we get a notification we've got to be out in 30 days. Definitely not the highlight of our gosh, it was that 2019. Yeah. Well we uh, na- and we navigated that and we ended up staying in the building and and we're still there to this day, actually, in that building, just on the second yeah. floor, not on the first floor anymore. But, you know, I will say like facing little random challenges like that, that you don't have to when we were just financial advisors only and not business owners too, these presented a, a, a just a, a slew of new challenges for us. And that's just stuff you work through, right? And I think what was really cool for us um, in the next year after that, we we developed and learned about this new system called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. We had Peyton, Mike, Mike Peyton on the podcast just actually several episodes ago, who, who's at the helm of, of EOS and what, what an important business model that was for us. What was cool is like, usually big companies come in and, and change their business structure. It was just Matt and I we were like, hey, if this is what, I think our thought was, if we aspire to be that, and we see this is what firms that are managing a billion dollars in assets and financial planning for, like, this is what those firms are doing that are 10 years in our future and we want to get there, we should be doing this now. And so we, you know, set out to do this whole EOS journey and kind of change the way that we, we viewed our company. And that was the next year. But I'm curious, like in, in these conversations, Matt, doing stuff that's so outside of the norm for us, because the normal daily routine was, you know, seasonal do tax returns and help clients with, with tax advice. We do you know, I do the Medicare and health insurance planning. We come together. We did portfolio management and investments. Like we're financial planners. Like that's the hat we wore. Same as, as Michael Scott on the team. That's what he does. And yet we're doing all these different business-like decisions on top of that and running a company. Were there ever moments of time where you felt like you were dealing with imposter syndrome? And if so, what, you know, were, were, what, what were some things that you did to cope with that? I think the only time for imposter syndrome came when, you know, we, we had some of the issues with the more, I guess, cosmetic side of things, you know, our, our the, the building we were working out of mm-hmm. the team we put in place at the time, because we were slowly starting to build that team up. Um, you know, at the end of the day, our clients rely on Matt and, or relied on Matt and John to meet with them, do their finances and, and all those other extra things clients don't, didn't really need to deal with. I don't really feel like I had too much imposter syndrome because I'm, and again, without tooting our own horns, I feel like we are really competent financial advisors, tax planners, Medicare experts, all the above, estate planning. I mean, we know our craft really, really well. That wasn't the issue. It was when I would go visit, like I'm in a business group, right, with other business owners. And they're talking about their teams of 10 and 20. And it it was John and myself. I was cleaning the garbage cans earlier in that day, had three client meetings. And then we're figuring out where we're going to, you know, sign our next lease. I, I think I think that's probably the only time that I had the feeling of imposter syndrome because I know our craft so well. Yeah. So it was never the, the issue of being an imposter, knowing being a financial advisor. It was the a business owner side of it that sometimes yeah. I felt like 
gosh, are we doing this the right way? Hindsight being 2020, we did. I can't tell you how many things as I think we started this podcast. I mean, we're here today having it five years later. So <laughs> we obviously did the right things. Some of that though was, was, was predicated on the fact that I felt like I was an imposter. So I might've overdone it. I might've overdone our, you know, if you go into our office now, it's, it's not a schluppy office, right? We put a lot of time and money and, and Jackie helps with the lease and, and Lauren helped with putting, putting the office together and bring it to a place that is a, a very welcoming environment. That was because I remember being in our first office and I was like, oh my gosh, how soon can we afford to move to the next level? And we're at that point here today, five years later. Those are the feelings that I invoked. How about how about you, John? Any, well, any part of it you felt like you were like, what are we doing here? I'm, I'm just, I was just a dodo bird that was like, check out this cool office I found for us. And you're like, this is, this is the smallest thing I've ever seen. This is the <laughs> tiniest office to try to do business out of when you weren't wrong. But so a couple of things I, I would say, actually thinking back early before even starting Canterpath, I did have feelings of imposter syndrome in early, in the early days of being a financial planner, because I was, I started in the industry, I was 21. So there were a lot of these moments of like, where, why would someone trust me over, over someone else? And, and then as time went on, as I gained more experience and I'm a big student of our craft. So I studied a lot. I became a CFP, all that stuff. Then I started getting almost salty where I'd look at someone that was older than me and they, they had the gray hair and the bifocals. And so they just looked wiser about our industry. But I thought I, I am credentialed. I know, I know as much, or maybe even more in some cases, there's no reason that this person's any, any better or any worse than me. Like, I'm, I'm good at this industry. And I, I, you know, I think that same thing as you with being a business owner. Now we have this amazing team, you know, we've gone from just you and me to a team of six, shout out to some of the other folks we haven't talked about, Raina Fitzgerald, Megan Glass, Mackenzie, of course, Michael, Scott. And I think there's just, there's new, different conversations and challenges that each year, this is stuff I haven't done before, you know, being a leader on a team. Uh, maybe mentorship, whatever the case may be, but something that I do to sort of deal with, with imposter syndrome. And this is, you know, I've, I've heard this on other podcasts and like books I've read and stuff too, but it's maintaining some level or balance of humility, like recognizing, like I I'm last week, you know, I cleaned the toilets in the office. I mean, you were there. I, it client was coming. They needed to be done. We it needed to be done. Got it done. Right. I am no better than the person that cleans the toilets and I am no worse than someone that's worth $500 million. Like I, I don't think that anyone's better or worse than anybody else. And, and we're willing to do the things that maybe you'd think like you shouldn't be doing anymore, but that helps me with imposter syndrome a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I, and yeah. I also, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then being able to push through it. Right. You know, none of us, I, I do the garbage at the office, right? I'm not too good yeah. to do that. It's, yeah. it's, listen, it has to get done. I want the place smelling nice. By the way, just full disclosure, we do have um, a maintenance team that does come, but you know, day to day things happen, right? So you got to just do it. And I think that's that's where people who are like, oh, God, I'm too good to do this, and yeah, and you know, then that kind of trickles down either to their team or something like that starts to have a firm culture. And I think our firm culture is not that way. It's everyone is willing to do anything it takes to get the job done. You've even put together a checklist when we walk in the office of like all the things that need to get done so that this place. And again, I go back to that 
of those times where we didn't have the nicest office and that feeling of like, oh gosh, I really want something to be proud of. And now we have that. So now we want to maintain that and we want to make sure that that is um, always looking its best because it, it you know, it, it's, it's so important to us that, that that look is so important to us. Yeah, I would also say there's never any any work that we ask someone to do that we either are not willing to do ourselves or haven't done before a ton of times over. So, you know, when we started this five years ago, I was doing paperwork requests on the weekends. You were clients would come in, you'd brew their coffee and we have notes on how they take their coffee and we would make it to how they like it. And there were so many taking out the garbage. Like there's so many aspects to this where it's like, I think the willingness to do that balances that hum- humility a little bit. And at least that, that's always helped me with imposter syndrome. But yeah. I mean, so, so yeah. we, so we, we covered 2018, we covered 2019. Oh, we're going the chronological here. I think okay. we should just to keep yeah. this going. So we go 2020, right? It's, it's January, it's February, man. We're life is good. We got through that 24 months of, of the hard time of, Getting the business up and running. The business is firing on all cylinders right now. It's January, starting a tax season. And then the world comes to a screeching halt. Really? What happened? <laughs> so COVID comes in and it changes everyone's world. And, and the point of what we're going to make next is not to make light of it. We knew a lot of deaths occurred and a lot of health issues and, and it impacted so many people. And for us... That was really the beginning of us rolling up our sleeves and showing what the power that we had put kind of where I started with today is that infrastructure we put in place really shined. So what was a, a negative uh, being COVID and being not being able to see anybody was, was where that we were able to say, hey, listen, we have a system in place now where everything is online. We don't have filing cabinets at Canderpath. We don't have stacks of paper everywhere. This is a well-oiled machine and actually everything is cloud-based. And by the way, we have Zoom. Let's continue to conduct our meetings just as we were, except you'll stay safely in your home. I'll stay safely in my home and we can still get the job done and go through. And for that period of time, and again, this is where the stress comes in, is well, what do we have probably about 150 clients at that time, John, between you and me, we met with each one of them over a six oh gosh not even probably a 30-day period of time well and then it was recurring then it was like we were meeting more frequently it wasn't like quarterly meetings it was every 30 days we're having conversations yeah Yeah, we got in front of every single person that time not that we knew any more about what was going to happen i mean last time there was a, a flu pandemic was 1920 and thankfully neither one of us were around for that but what we did know was sound financial principles and we yeah. had to reiterate those and bring out the noise, separate the noise from the facts. And that's where I think really one of the first areas, which was at any other, in, looking at this in any other, other perspective, it was a huge hole in, in a business. And for us, we turned that into a strength. We had to, there was no other option but to sit. And I remember how exhausted you were and how exhausted I was at, at the end of those days I mean, we had Saturday and Sunday meetings, I remember, evenings and mornings. We had to get all 150 people in in a very short period of time to get in front of them so that they were not panicking and freaking out from the, from what was happening from a financial standpoint. Let's talk about that time. What, what, what feelings did those invoke, John? Oh, just lots of sadness. <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots of tired days. Well, I also had, I also had at that point in time, I had two by then we had Hudson. So we had two kids and he was a baby. Like he was a newborn. 
And so I would just, there, I just never slept. I mean, literally for a year, I don't think I slept and that's okay. Cause you know, in a lot of ways that made us, made us stronger and better, I guess, or something. I don't know. <laughs> Keep Is that what you tell yourself when you yeah. cry yourself to sleep at night? Yeah. When, I'm applying, <laughs> when I'm applying my eye cream for my wrinkles on my face, that's what I tell myself. It was very, it was a very hectic time. It was stressful because there were so many things that no one knew. And so as a business, being able to pivot and having the infrastructure to pivot and be, be virtual when in, in an industry that's frankly very antiquated anyway, our, ours is financial services, that was, that was a true blessing for us. And probably the greatest thing to come out of that year was we, we ended up hiring one of my favorite people, which is Megan. So we, mm. you know, we, we hired Megan at the end of the year and she was doing some, she was doing some work with us leading up to that point in a, like a fractional capacity. And then we were, you know, we just finally were like, Hey, can, will, will you please come work full time with us? <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it's a, it's an important. Yeah. So, so our first, I mean, we, we had a, we, you know, we had a few people that came through between before that. Sure. Uh, but, but really our first true, true, like W2 employee w- was Megan and we hired operations first. Which is, again, I, I picture if I'm sitting in the car right now listening to this podcast and someone's trying to get their, their business off the ground, I think most, most of the book says like higher sales, you know, you need to sure. bring revenue in. And I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong here, but I knew for us, it was operations because we knew, we knew our business. We knew what we were doing, you and I, but the, the, the you know, signing the lease and, de- and dealing with those operational she, she did a lot of our event planning once that sort of came back around again. She has such a gift for organization and for, for her ability to, you know, for, uh, she was a real defender of our time. And mm-hmm. I think that's like what she, if she said, what does she do? She defends our time, meaning that she is picking up those areas of the business that allow us to focus on financial planning and not always get in the way of all the other things that happen as a business owner. I, I look back at that. That was, we didn't do many things right. That was one of those things. Uh, that was that was that was right. Well, she's our director of operations, but she's also our in-house therapist. So, oh, man. <laughs> shout Ride out a few times to her, and she's always there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what What's next on your list for the next year? Because okay, I so twenty 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 one. I mean twenty twenty one. We're coming out of COVID. Is still seeing if this is going to come back again. Just a, a bunch of uncertainty. I think the interesting thing is in the five years that we were in, that we that we formed Canva. I think the stock market was up. I mean, I want to say it's like twelve or fifteen months in a sixty-month period of time. Yeah. Now, over that period of time, it it went up significantly, but we dealt a lot with during this five-year period of just stagnant downward market. And I think 2020, 2021 was that first kind of uptick year, that real big uptick year. And then ever since then, and before then, it was just, you know, just a disaster in terms of, of where economic performance was and, and where markets are. And, where, and, and part of that is, and we talk about this in our client meetings, is that the market is not linear. The market doesn't go up 10% a year. The market goes up 20, down 10, and it, it does these up and down cycles. It's a yo-yo going up a flight of stairs. <clears throat> Yeah. We happened to be going downward with a yo-yo more than we were stepping up uh, on those stairs. Or, or when the stairs were going up, we would take four or five step jumps, and then the yo-yo would go back down again. And so yeah. 
I think that was really defining the next really two years because that takes us through 21 and then 22 was was just was just dealing with market performance. And there's things that are within our control and our clients know this. Things that are within our control, things are outside of our control. The rate of return of the stock market is outside of our control. What we expose ourselves to of that market and how we position it is in our control. And that's where we spent a lot of our time. And, and that was really where um, us advancing our firm to getting to a point where we needed an in-house investment advisor, which is Michael Scott, our charter financial analyst, um, is is was for us really the first time. We go back to the imposter conversation. Not mm-hmm. that we were imposter before that, but we have an in-house CFA. That, that's, a, that's a huge deal for most firms and really reinforced what we were doing on the investment side is the right thing, even though we can't control what the markets are doing. I would say going into 2021, you know, adversity is the word that comes up for me because it's like we just dealt with so much those first few years in being, again, financial planners for a long time, new to being business owners. And so dealing with a lot of adversity and I get, I guess it really tested our self-discipline and got us probably more attuned to just pick yourself up by your bootstraps, work through it, more meetings, more meetings, more meetings, especially during COVID time, more meetings. And it was probably in 21 where all that adversity for me led to fatigue where I'm like, okay, I just can't work forever. Like I need to take, I need to take breaks here and there. And uh, I think you know me well enough to know that I, I will, I will work through something to my detriment. And, and you do the same thing, although you're more mindful I think of that balancing act than I am where it's like, we need to take a break. And so, you know, 21 was really recognizing all that, all that adversity. We're at this great place. We have amazing clients we serve. Everything's great. Now we really need to build on this ensemble approach that we we need to add to it. We need to add these pieces that we felt like we delivered it when it was Matt and I, because we could come together with different different skill sets or talents that him and I had, we could bring that together for a client meeting or, or apply, you know, apply each other's skill set. But we wanted to continue to broaden that and continue to be better at that. And, you know, I've known Michael for, for over 10 years. Um, and so that was, he was such a natural fit into what we were building is, is to bring him in on the, on the you know portfolio investment side and be able to, I think the next word is trust. So then be able to find, tr- I mean, it, it takes a lot of trust, which we, we took this for granted. We haven't even mentioned this once yet, Matt, but it takes a lot of trust to start a business with somebody else as a partnership. So that in and of itself is a big leap of faith that I think we've done podcasts on partnerships before. Um, actually, I'm looking at July 28th, 2021. We did lessons in business partnership, you and me. But okay, so then outside of that, you know, so we bring Megan into our circle at that point in time, we had we had worked with a few uh, support staff that have come that that came and went, and that's okay. There were lessons there too, but then I think trust was the next thing, like being able to bring someone else into that circle of trust, and that was Michael. He was the next. Yeah. At the end of, at the end of twenty one. Yeah, it um, was it was Michael, and right after that, you know, as as growth continued in our firm, we needed some more support, and and Michael said, "I know just the person." And uh, before you know it, we went from a team of three to a team of five. Yeah. 
with the hire of, of Reina, who uh, really took on the client service support role and really brought for us the first time you and I weren't meeting with clients and then also taking care of the operation, not, not the business operational side, but the client service operational side sure. of things and really picked that up. And, and, uh, and so for, for that changed, I think both of our lives fairly dramatically. I mean, you know, we have the investment management now being, being assisted with, we have the uh, client support side being assisted with, and we have the operational side. We can go back to being financial advisors, which is what we love to do. And, uh, and that happened all very, very quickly. And uh, again, you know, everyone's going to go back and say, what was the right order? What order should I hire? And what, and it, it, sometimes it's just, and I think this is where we, feel. we really came to the conclusion. It's about feel and it's about relationships. Um, it's about, and you've, you've been really instrumental in this is, is not, it's about the thinking of the avatar, who the person is for the role yeah. that we need. And then finding that person as opposed to the other way around where you're just yeah. throwing a cast net out and seeing what comes in. You, you really, you, you've hit home on that a few times, John. Yeah. I think the extension of, 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 you know, that trust circle, like including more people into that. I think Raina was like the next natural person as we got to know her. She, she's been so great. I, I would say that if you had to think about how you build a company, you know, financial services or whatever, you probably would have done it in a reverse order than what we did it. Like you, you, you probably would have led with someone like Raina to really help us on the support, like on the client servicing support side right off the jump. To free up ourselves of time, but we didn't do that. And why well, we, we didn't tried do to? That, yeah, we tried. True. Yeah, we did. We tried, but that that was such a specialized role that it couldn't be someone with their foot half in or half out. Couldn't or be part time. Be, yeah, yeah, it couldn't be part time. That's what we really struggled with. Is that that's a very you have to know the business. You have to know the operations of the financial planning side to it. That's a specified role that yeah. that we maybe said eh, any like like oh like we just need someone to do this and anyone can do this and what we found was that was a really, really hard role to fill. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, it really, it, it's interesting how we went about hiring though. Cause it's like the cool thing with Megan is we, we knew her for so long. I mean, she was Megan were one of my first clients that I ever worked with. And so that trust was already there and she was such a natural fit for what we we're doing. And what's cool now is we can apply that to like our team culture. And I think confidently look back and say like, even though we went, theoretically like someone might say we went out of order i think we went in the perfect order based on the relationships as they developed and, and as they came to us and i think something for our industry is like really big on trust which i've, I've said a few times but you know matt and i always feel we have to maintain this certain level of of perfectionism to a really to like a bad degree like it's like meaning it's an unhealthy level of this has to be right. Because if someone trusts us with their money to invest and manage in all these this important area of their life, if something small, if, the, if a small mistake happens, you know, what kind of concern or seed of doubt does that build into somebody's character? And uh, shout out to Mike Payton on the podcast, like a few podcasts ago, he was, he actually said that on the show to me. He's like, your industry, you have to be someone who's highly accountable and borderlines on like unhealthy doses of perfectionism because that's just what people expect of you. And, and so you need to be able to do that. And, and so I think that, you know, this trust thing of, of bringing someone else into that 
it was really hard. Not that I'm like a control person. I don't. I don't think I am. But oh, I definitely was, am. So you, John, right, I will, right. I, what I a, lay what on a, that sword. Let's talk about that. That's been eye opening for you, right? Yes. I mean, I do not let anyone besides you do anything uh, work wise on my behalf. I mean, I I always view it as I answer to the client. So if I answer the client, then my fingers must be part of it. I must be knee deep in it. And to your point, there's only so many hours in the day and you have to be perfect in what you do. There's no mistakes allowed in our, in our business. And so that man, that was, that weighs on you. That just grinds you down. Uh, there's no vacations. You're constantly thinking about this. And it wasn't until I, I really through your help and through Megan said like, you got to let some of this stuff, you've got to allow someone else to assist you in this. And I said, okay, I will. As long as they understand the the implications of, of what this means of, of me letting that go. And that first, that first iteration of it really was Michael was, was releasing the investment side. And again, not, not saying he's, he doesn't just do that for us, but he is leading that discussion. Whereas before I was leading that discussion, he leads that discussion, brings those ideas to you and me that we then implement to our clients. Um, That was, that was something I did um, prior to this. And so that was the first thing was releasing that off of my shoulders, which needed to happen. Well, then I think Reina was like the next iteration of of working through that, and and then, then we get the troublemaker, the 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 most the um, the most the largest troublemaker we have is uh, is Mackenzie, who said, "Matt, okay, I can take more of this off of your shoulders." Um, and I said, "Okay, like I'll give you a little taste of it," and then she just you know ate the whole thing up and 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 was really incredible with um, really helping in more areas and really expanding upon what, what Raina was doing for us, which was operational financial planning, operational support, really taking that to the next level and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be there by your side for taxis. And I'm going to be there by your side for, for our, the clients that we are, um, that we have the relationships for and really kind of taking. And then what I love about both of them is really wanting to go back to one of our core competencies, our core values is being a, a student of our craft. Is them not just saying, yeah, I'll do quick work or I'll do operational support, but I'm going to also learn the level in which you both know, and Michael, let's say the three of us know about financial planning. We want to get to that level as well. Yeah. And and so they're beginning the process of, of, of studying for the certified financial planner credential, which in our industry is, is really the, kind of the gold standard. Uh, Michael being a, a chartered financial analyst, also there as well, but that's a more of a, a, a very intense specialty on the investment side. CFP is, is really more of a broad. And so, um, uh, you know, I love, I love seeing both of them now studying and beginning that process so that when they understand the why of what's going on, not just I got to go out and do this because Matt or John asked me to be on behalf of a client or a client asked me to do it. They'll now understand the why behind that. And I think that's just so incredibly powerful um, and really takes them, them both to the next level. Yeah, 100%. I, I think, well, I think their their interest and engagement and wanting to do the CFP course and sit for that exam is a testament to, like you said, that's that's something that's big for all of us, having an interest in in learning and evolving and developing in our in our craft, in our careers, in what we do and how we how we coach and advise clients. So it's super cool. We better talk about the Rich B. I mean, we talked about him a little bit in here, John, but we've not given him a ton of love on these podcasts. First of all, we miss him. We want him back here. But uh, also, I want to recognize him for the work that he's done for us on this show, right? This is two financial advisors just 
sometimes just chatting, having a, an amazing guest on, um, but really the ability for us to be uh, good speakers, to have some organized elements to our show, to get the message out there. You know, he, he was a real strategic partner on this side of it as well. And he's, uh, he's an amazing uh, person and also an amazing speaker. He's so knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, I think that that was, I, I want to give credit where credit's due on that side of it as well is we've talked about our team, but then there's some of these external folks, um, him being one of them that has really changed the, the trajectory of, of our, of our ability to get our message out. And that's what, that's what the show's all about. By the way, whenever I hear people do podcasts like this, I just assume that means they're ending the podcast. Like they're they're saying like this With is With that it. said, <laughs> we are going to take <laughs> a six-year hiatus from No, no heck no. We love happening. doing these things. It's, it's we're as consistent as we've ever been uh hitting weekly episodes. So that the goal is to keep doing that. And honestly, we're excited to have the fact that we can coordinate all three of our calendars better now. The last episode that Rich did was a solo one. It was called Unlocking the Power of Inquiry. Super great episode. It was March great 29th one. of this year. So go back and listen to that one. It was really, really good. But yeah, I mean, the Rich B, he's the man. What I mean, what more yes. can can be said about it? And I think I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say like, hey, you love the guest interviews, love all the things you're doing. Like, when are the three of you getting back on this thing? And yeah. so duly noted, and we are, we are working towards it. Call him out on it, Rich. <laughs> We need you, buddy. Says Come the back. guy who's who's been gone, locked in a cave on, for three I months. I was on hiatus. I was on a very important hiatus that I'm now back. Welcome. Thank you for having me on your show, John. Yeah. Well, the most, the most, talk about imposter syndrome, doing a solo episode on the heels of Rich doing a solo episode. Those are big shoes to fill, my friend. Not easy, I know. but we did it. Okay. So fun conversation uh, about the last five years and celebrating, uh, you know, our five-year anniversary. What, as we wrap, do you feel like the next five years looks like? What's Ooh. something you hope, actually just, you know, aspirations, like what, um, what's something you hope to see, you know, A- ask the universe and maybe we shall receive it. I don't know. You know, I think if anyone's been listening to the show, they know I have a hard time with like goal planning and like that's my favorite. Thinking. Come on. I just move into where we go next and I find something and I dive into it and I take us there in, in that side of it. So I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm very happy. I love our team. I love our work culture. I love our clients. I, I mean, I think it's always easy to say more and bigger and faster and larger. I, I also want to live in this moment right now, this moment right now, I have everything in the world that I want. So, mm-hmm. yes, I want to go faster, bigger, better, all of those things. I also want to just be incredibly happy and maintain this level of happiness that I have. Actually, it is April. Um, well, Teddy, we're shooting this, you know, on a little bit before the our, our, our anniversary on the 26th. But just being done with tax season and being able to go back to financial planning and on the heels of all of that, I'm in a good place mentally. And I, I want to mean I want that feeling to maintain, even if that means we grow bigger. Or grow smaller. I don't know. Whatever happens, I want to maintain the same happiness that I have right now. That's a. I mean, that's a important aspiration to 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 worry about maintaining the same level of satisfaction of happiness of whatever. Because I think a lot of people just get caught up in always trying to improve things. When you know, then you you work so hard to do that, and then you you just stress yourself out, and you look back and you're like, have you ever heard that saying? Like, I wish we knew we were in the good old days. 
yes. when we're in them. It's it's yes. kind of you know that feeling like we're in the good old days, literally right this second. We have a I great see that team. No more than culture. I see with my kids. Yeah, you know, I have a seven year old and a ten year old, and I look back at those times where you're like you mentioned a few moments ago, not sleeping for that year. I mean, we were all. If anyone listening has had a child, you we've all been in those years, and that was. That was a second. That was a that was a moment. Oh, yours might have gone a little bit longer, but um, that was a second in time. And and so was the first five years of our business. I mean, prior to 2018 was a lifetime ago. I've, I feel like I've lived a lifetime in these these last five years in in a good good way for the most part. But um, it, it, life moves so quickly, and uh, I want to I want to be able to continue enjoying what we do and how we do it and and who we touch. And who we uh, make impacts for on their lives. That's that's what gets me out of the bed in the morning. I would agree. And I would share that my ambition in the next five years is to affect positive change for as many lives as we can on the financial end. You know, I think there is a recognition as we've developed the team and such that there's only so many hours in a day. And 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 for that, we can only serve so many families within our community of clients. It's just a sheer, that's like a, that's just a math problem, really. I mean, it's, it's the truth. But I think as we've developed being an ensemble, being able to work together as a team, that's broadened our ability to work with more families. And, and I care so much about that because I, I, I mean, some of my favorite, like the, the meetings where I just get so much energy out of is when we have these light bulb moments or we can get through to the heart of an issue with a client. And sometimes they're really sad meetings. Sometimes there's tears in them. Sometimes it's, it's a very heavy conversation. There's family loss or there's something going on. And yet, despite that, we still have to be the professionals that they lean on to navigate that issue and come up with the most financially sound decision that they can for whatever situation they're facing. I, I love that. And I, and I, I think we all want to be able to do that as much as possible. And when it was, it was a great and fun time when it was just you and me, when we blink a second ago and it was just you and me, but I think we have a deeper ability to affect and positively change more lives now with the six of us. And so it's uh it's an exciting time to be alive. Yes. Yeah. Happy cool. anniversary, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Well, hey everyone, thank you as always for listening to us on Above Board with Canterpath. If you like these types of conversations, head over to canterpath365.com. So it's canterpath365.com and you can sign up for our Alexa skill which is 30, 60, 90 second sound bites. Some of sometimes it's conversations like these and we just take sound bites out of them. Other times it's me or it's Matt or it's Michael talking about uh, market news, headline news, banking crisis, inflation, whatever, you know, just a quick financial uh, tip. So uh, head over there to give us a follow on that. And otherwise we will see everyone next week. Bye guys.